Amen. Lord, we open our hearts to you. We have a desire to experience you, to feel your presence, to hear your words, and to live a life that honors you and, and is empowered to make a difference. Lord, tonight we pray that you'll speak into our hearts and lives, that there would be breakthroughs and releases as we stand up in the midst of the situations we face and begin to make a difference. Everyone said, Amen. Come on, tell someone, you're called to make a difference. Make a difference. <laughs> Not put up with the status quo. Status quo is yesterday's news. We want to change it. I want to just, uh, I want you to look with me and uh, we're going to look in a verse in the book of Daniel. I want to talk about uh, what to do in times of confinement. I want to explain that in just a moment. Let's look in the uh, book of Daniel. Then we're going into Jeremiah. I want to look at one passage in Jeremiah. But first, we just want to look at in Daniel. I'll come back to Daniel a little later. I just want to read one verse. One verse. In Daniel 1 and verse 8. And uh, we're just going to give a little bit of the background of this. And then we're going to go into Jeremiah. And uh, God speaks specifically about times when it feels like our life is constrained by circumstances. He tells us exactly what to do in that position and how if we will flow with what God is speaking prophetically to us, if we will listen. See, it's not enough that God spoke years ago. God is speaking now. And God wants to speak to you now in your circumstance. And how you respond to him shapes your future, what it turns out like. God is consistent. He's consistently good. And so no matter what you're facing in your circumstances, he calls you to stand up and make a difference. And we're going to look at that. We're just going to come back and I'll refer to Daniel. But I just want to throw out this verse here. First of all, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the king's meat. Now, you understand that Daniel was a very young man, probably somewhere uh, in early teenage years, maybe 12 through to 17, somewhere in that kind of season of his life. He had been captured along with the rest of the nation by Nebuchadnezzar, and they'd literally captured them and taken the whole nation out of their place, out of the land they lived in, out of the land God had promised them, and put them into a foreign land, into the land of Babylon. When the Bible is using the term Babylon, the word literally means the place of confusion. And so what we're going to see tonight is we're going to see how uh, in living in a world environment, which is in a place of confusion, God wants every one of us to be like Daniel and to arise and have an impact. He doesn't want you to wait till you're older to have that impact. Today you make the decisions that determine whether your life is different or not. If you want to follow the path of the crowd... So be it. That's your choice. Then enjoy. You'll go where the crowd goes. But I believe that in many tonight, there is a spark of something that calls you to know I was called to be different. I was called to make a difference. I want my life to count. And that's what it says with Daniel. It says, as a young man, he was faced with oppressions and conflict. He was faced with having to eat food offered to idols. He was faced with a pressure to compromise his personal faith in God as a young man. And he made this decision, says he purposed, he determined in his heart he would not defile himself, or he determined in his heart he would live a life that honored God no matter what it cost him. He determined, he made a decision, he got to realize this could have cost him his life to make this decision. But as a young man, he made that decision, and wait till he was older to make it, he didn't think, well, let's go with the flow. He purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. He purposed that he would stand out in his generation and be different. Now, that's a decision you could make. That's to do with your purpose of your life. God has put you in Hawke's Bay in this season of your life 
for a purpose. There's something God wants to accomplish in you, something he wants to accomplish through you. You have to decide that you will live a life that enables God's purpose to be fulfilled. That's your decision. That's your choice. And he made that decision. Now, we're going to come and have a little look back, and I'm going to connect you uh, with how Daniel and his friends actually are like a, a pioneers in uh, showing us what the Great Commission looks like when it's fulfilled. I want you to have a look with me now. We're going to look in Jeremiah. I'm going to go into Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. And uh, let's read in here. Read a few verses. And one of them you'll know very much. And uh, verse... Four, pick it up from verse 4. And, uh, and, and God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, and he's speaking to the nation of Israel. He's speaking to them about their circumstances, about their situation. And uh, he says, this is what the Lord says, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all that are carried away captives. Now notice this, he said, I have caused you to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, this is an amazing statement. It's actually God caused this whole circumstance to arise that they now found themselves in. When you looked at it, they were in a foreign land. They were exposed to a foreign culture. Every day they saw things that challenged. There was idolatry. There was spiritism. There was immorality. There was every kind of excess. Every kind of thing that you could see was in the culture all around them. And yet God says, I've caused you to be brought here. And you might be facing a situation of confinement. A situation of confinement is where you feel restricted. You feel like you're looking all around you and everything seems against you. The circumstances seem to be exactly the opposite to what you believe God would want you to have. And it seems like you can't break out of that circumstance. For some of you, it'll just be being at school. People say, oh, I just want to get out of school. I just want to get out and do something in the world. Listen, this is your season of confinement. Do the right things in it, and God will raise you up and cause your life to have tremendous impact. See, it may be that you're in a period where there's financial constraints. Maybe in this period in your life where you feel there's dreams you have, but you can't see possibly how they could be fulfilled. It's like a season where you're confined. Now, you've got to understand this, that that season... The Bible says very clearly, God meant it for their good. God permitted the season to come on. See, think about Joseph. Joseph's in prison. Did God allow that or allow that circumstance to be engineered? He sure did. Why? Because he wanted to develop something in Joseph in that time of confinement. Jeremiah ended up also in a prison. Was he happy about it? No, he wasn't happy about it. Was it a great place? No, it wasn't a great place. In fact, he was in such a bad place, they lowered him down to the bottom of a well. He was actually in the mud at the bottom of the well. He had died, except God raised someone to get him out. Did he like all of that? No, he didn't like that circumstance. But in the middle of it, God used his life to become a message in a nation. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in is not important. What you're hearing from God and what you're speaking and doing, that is important. Look, I want you to check out one other verse with me before we just follow through this passage here. It's found in Jeremiah 24 and verse 5. Jeremiah 24 and verse 5. He says, listen, the end of verse 5, he says, I have sent you out of this place to the land of Babylon for your good. And I'll set my eyes on you in that place for good. Now, notice what God said. He, was, he allowed them to come into this place, into a nation where there's confusion, idolatry, all these things. He allowed them to be in an environment, a society, which was full of problems. And he said, this is for your good. I'm going to actually outwork in your life something that you don't understand or know, and it's going to work for your good. Now, we're going to see he required them to do some things in that situation. And I want you to see, we're going to look through the things he required them to do. 
And if you are facing a season in your life of confinement, season where it's, it feels there's an uncertainty about your future, you're not sure what to do, in this passage you're going to see some keys that God spoke. He said, this is what I want you to do. He spoke through Jeremiah in the season when you're confined, restrained. It feels like everything around you is difficult and pressing in on you, trying to change you and shape you and push you down. In the midst of that culture, there are things you need to do. And I want you to just read with me when he tells him what to do. I'm going to give you four or five things, and then I'll show you just how the outcome of this worked out. Let's go back into Jeremiah. And this is what he says here in verse 5. He said, let's see the things he tells them to do. Now, of course, you can imagine that they're thinking, well, maybe this will be over soon, or maybe we, should, we shouldn't get too committed. We should just keep all our options open. And this is what he says, build houses. In other words, he tells them to get involved in construction, dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit. Take wives and daughters, sons and, and bring forth sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bring forth sons and daughters. Now here it is, that you may be increased and not diminished there. The first thing God wants is for them to plan how their lives might increase in that place and not diminish. No matter what circumstance you're in, God wants you to increase in that circumstance. He wants your life to grow. He wants you to actually to be enlarged in that situation. Now you think, man, you don't understand what a terrible home situation I'm in. You don't understand what terrible pressure's on me financially. You don't understand what difficult conflict I'm facing in my class. Listen, now maybe I don't understand it, but I do understand that in that place of confusion and uncertainty, God wants to bring about good in your life, and he wants you to enlarge, not diminish. He doesn't want you to be crushed, overwhelmed, put down. He expects that you will flourish in that place. If you're in a school and you're the only Christian in that classroom and all around you there's stories and stuff, what they've been up to on the week and all this kind of stuff, in the midst of it, God wants you to flourish. He wants not only for you to personally flourish and your faith to grow by your roots going down into Him, He wants you to have an influence in the place. He wants you to stand out Like a bright, shining light. The darker it is around you, the stronger your light shines. You're a 25-watt light bulb. Maybe you don't shine too brightly in the room. We've got all the lights on. If we turn them all out, you'll be looking just good. darker it is around you, the brighter your light shines. But the key thing is you must purpose in your heart like Daniel. You'll make a stand. You'll make a stand for your life to be different. So number one, expect to increase, not to to decrease. Notice what he told them to do, be constructive and productive. So you've got to do things. You've got to actually make plans. So in the season that you feel confined, still dream and make plans and do things to be productive in that place. Don't wait for a better day. Some people are waiting for the big break in life. God says, whatever you're in right now, be productive in it. Do something that improves that situation. As he told them to plant uh, vines and to eat from them, he said, I want you to do things so you can make that period as productive and constructive as you can. If you're there in the school situation, you don't just turn up, do your stuff, go home. God wants you to actually have an impact. He wants you to think creatively what you can do to make a difference there. He wants your life to stand out and say, oh, but you don't understand how hard it is. Yeah, of course it's hard. Like it was hard for Daniel. Except in Daniel's day, they could have taken his head off or thrown him to lions, which they eventually did, because he made a stand. But he made a difference too. 
he made a difference. We'll see, I want to show you some of the areas he made a difference in just a moment. And so notice he tells them there that you should be increased and not decreased. So God's plan is wherever you are, that you personally flourish and grow. Now, how, how can you flourish and grow in a, an environment which is sometimes hostile to your faith or whatever? It causes you to let your roots go down into God. You've got to take the steps to build a life with God. You've got to take steps to be committed to grow and learn in the Word. Listen, if you've placed with the pressure all the week, get with a group of believers, get involved in young people, get involved in a small group, get involved where you're learning the Word of God, but most of all, in your own personal life, spend time before God asking Him to speak from His Word to you. You've got to develop strength on the inside. We've got an interesting thing happens. Every team that I send out from this place, wherever they go in the world, there's a move of God. Yet when you come back here, it's actually quite hard. But the hardness of it is what gets the fight inside you. The hardness of it is what enables you, if you make the right decision, listen, every week I determine I'll have an atmosphere that's open, I'll feel and engage the presence of God. And what it does is produce a, a fight and a development inside you when you go to other places, boy, you just overflow with the things you've been building. You don't even realize that that difficult environment God put you in. He said, listen, I put you there for your good. I don't want you to be crushed by that thing. I want you to draw from me. Let your life and roots go down into me and then stand up and increase. So when I'm ready to bring you forth, you've got something inside you. This is the time you're in a great church. You're in an environment that others would envy, give their back teeth to be in. Don't waste the opportunity. Get to learn how to flow with the Holy Ghost. Get into things that you can be trained and learn how to connect with God and touch the life of God. Use it to increase. Don't complain how bad it is. Complainers are losers. Right from the start. You're complaining. You're already given up the fight. All you're doing is moaning and groaning and going through death throes. It's true. The last death throes. You ever shoot a cat? You want to see what happens? They're dead, but they don't know it. You know, and then these death throes. They're leaping and bouncing around, but they're, they're actually dead. It's just nervous energy, you know, before they expire. You know? And you've got to make sure that that's not like you. You're bouncing leaping around, but you're actually dead because you never actually made a decision. You'd connect with God and decide to grow in the situation. So whatever's happening around you, you can grow in it. Why don't you decide what you need to learn? He God's want to teach you something. So the first thing he tells us there is to increase, not decrease. Second thing you notice, he says, verse 7, he says, Seek the peace of the city I've caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof you will have peace. Tells him to do two other things. He said, seek the prosperity of the place you've been caused to be. Now, this is a real problem for Christians. It's a real issue. Notice what he says, seek the prosperity of the place you're in. Now, people, Christians often take the mind, they actually have the wrong mindset. We have a religious mindset sometimes. A religious mindset will cause you to think, I'm here to survive. I've got to just hold on to my faith. No, 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 no. God says he wants you to position yourself so you can be a blessing and a benefit and have impact wherever you are. And there's a number of areas he wants believers to have an impact. You see, our commission is not just to bring men and women to ch Christ. It's to actually change a culture. It's to change a nation. Now you say, how do I change a nation? I change, first of all, I change on the inside. Then I begin influence the people around me. And I stand up and look for what I can do to change what's around me. 
Think about that. So if you're in school and you go to school and all you come out with is an education and you never had an impact, you've missed the time. You've missed an important season. You're called to make a difference there. Stand up. Take some responsibility. I'll get involved. Come up with things that you can do. Do something. Notice what he tells them. A uh, couple with seeking the prosperity of the city is actually prayer. Pray and intercede. That's how you get the opportunities. Paul said, pray that a door of opportunity would open up for me. Are you praying? Are you praying for your class? You only get two of you in a class. Start praying for the class. Start praying. Target people in prayer. Target the teacher in prayer. Target the whole, target the group in prayer. Believe God to get something to happen. And start with prayer. When I was a very young Christian, we just started with prayer. I didn't know anything else to do, so we started with prayer. And we believed that something could happen. I had no idea what could happen. But God did something in response to prayer. So he says, seek the welfare. Now, uh, when it's talking about seeking the welfare of the city, what he's, what he's meaning is this. This is what he's got in mind. And then we'll, we'll come back to Daniel, and you'll see what Daniel did in a moment. He's talking about the business and economics. Seek the welfare of the city. In other words, get involved in its business, get involved in its economy, and make a difference. Uh, he's, he's speaking about the government. Get involved in the government, any place where there's something making laws or, or governing anything, get involved there and make a difference. He's talking about the education. Get involved in the educational field. Get involved in how things are done, how things are shaped, what's happening, who's making the decisions. He says get involved in the media and communications. Get involved. See, when you, if you're going to change a culture, you've got to make a decision to become involved somewhere where your life can make a difference. See, the call of God for the majority of believers is outworked in the culture in one of the seven main pillars of the culture. And our mandate is to go in and shape the culture. It's actually to have an influence by bringing the word and principles of God into that place. So first you've got to get it in your life. Then you begin to start to influence the people around you. You don't have to be ashamed to be a believer. Christianity works. Here's where the tragedy is, though. The tragedy is, is to have a city full of believers and the crime rate and the society and everything around is no different to anywhere else. They did a, uh, in Dallas, they did a uh, survey of Dallas. They, they, they went through America and they found what is the most Christianized city in the nation. And so they hunted down and they got the statistics and they found a city uh, called Dallas, Dallas in Texas, where... There were more born-again, Bible-believing Christians going to church than any other city in America. And so what they did then was they then investigated and had a look right through the culture of the city. They looked at the crime rate. They looked at the divorce rate. They looked at the poverty. They looked at job opportunities. They looked at family life. They looked at uh, the welfare of children. They looked at uh, what was happening educationally. They looked everywhere, and they got the statistics on how the people in the city were performing compared to other cities in the nation. And they found that there was absolutely no difference. In fact, in some places, it was worse. In other words, for all those Christians there... They had not had any impact at all. They were going to church, believe the word of God, pray, love God, but absolutely no impact. And so what the guy did was, the guy who'd done this research, put it all together, he put it in a one-hour TV program, and then he showed it to some major Christian leaders, and then he asked them to comment on what they thought of the fact that for all those Christians that were there in the city, that all were going there, believed the Bible, believed in God, went to church, why is it then the city is no different to anywhere else? And almost all of them came up with the same thing. Well, we're called to attend to spiritual things. 
What a cop-out. Where on earth in the Bible did they ever get that? What a terrible cop-out. They hadn't actually understood, really, the interviewer was telling them, for all you talk about being a Christian making a difference, the reality is the society hasn't been changed one little bit. In other words, the people who say they believe in God are not committed in their lifestyle to advancing the kingdom of God and making a difference. What a tragedy. And that's the same in our nation, of course. If we checked out in our nation, we find it exactly the same. It would be no different whatsoever because Christians have withdrawn from the culture and don't see the need to become involved as part of our mandate. Oh, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. Who said? Not in the Bible. In fact, we're here to advance a political system called the kingdom of God, which works. We're called to advance an economic system called the kingdom of God, which works. We're called to advance an education system called the kingdom of God, which works. We're called to advance creativity, which comes from God, who's very creative. In fact, when you actually have a look in a, in a culture, there's probably seven main pillars that form the different parts of a culture and the, Christ, and the believers. We're called to go into every one of those areas and begin to make a difference and an impact. Think about that. And so what he tells them is, is he says, advance the welfare of the city. Advance the welfare of the city. Now, it looks for ways that you can solve problems. Look for ways that you can bring God's answer into the situation. Now, listen. When you look in the Old Testament, when you look in the Old Testament, you find it talks about a people called Israel who were in slavery. And God got them saved, got them out of Egypt, got them through the, the wilderness into the promised land. But you know what God had in mind? God had in mind that they would actually form a culture that would be an example to the world. And it culminates hundreds of years later in Solomon. And when you come to Solomon, they sought Solomon's wisdom from every part of the world. Why? Because in the legal system, the economic system, the governmental system, religious system, the uh, arts and, uh, and media, and uh, the, the, the areas of sports, in every area of the culture, the nation was a world leader. Now, that's in the Old Testament. But that tells us, that's a picture, it tells us that God's heart has always been not just to get people saved, but to establish the kingdom of heaven in the earth, in the culture. Now, when you have a look at the mandate given to the church, given to us, we're called to make a difference. We're called to disciple nations. We're called to make a difference wherever we are. And for some of you, God's given, got a calling on your life, and that calling is to go into education. The calling may be to go into government. The calling may be to go into finance. The calling may be to go into some kind of areas to make a difference. And to make that difference, it starts when you're young, when you purpose in your heart, I'm going to live a life which is different. I'm a man, a woman of destiny. I will make a difference. You've got to, no one can decide that for you. You have to decide that. Notice what he says, pray the Lord for the peace of it, for in its peace you will have peace. Then go down, verse 10, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years I've accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you, perform my good word. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of, good, of peace, not evil, to give you a future, to give you a hope. Then you'll call on me and go and pray to me and I'll hearken to you. When you seek me, you'll find me and you'll search me with all your heart and I will be found of you. So notice number one, he says, increase, decrease, decrease. Plan to grow, plan to be productive, plan to do something useful with your life. Number two, seek the peace of the city. Or in other words, seek to make the place you are a better place. So what can you do in your home? What can you do in your neighborhood? What can you do at your school? What can you do in the local church? What can you do to make a difference? Ask God for ideas. 
and let it flow out of your life, out of the opportunity he gives you. Begin to pray. Pray God will give you ideas how you can reach the people around you, how you can make an influence on people around you, how you can actually impact them with your beliefs. What you can do to make a difference. God's got a way to do it. Okay? And then notice here two other things it says. It tells us very clearly, expect God to move. Notice he says that in a certain time, after a certain period's finished, I will begin to move on your life. Now notice in the season of confinement, he wanted them to plan creatively and constructively. He wanted them to actually act to do what they could to change the situation. He wanted them to be in a place of prayer and expectation. And then he said, I'm going to do some things on your behalf. But you notice they had to position themselves first. They had to do certain things before God said he'd do his part. And in that season of confinement, usually when you're going through a period of pressure, there's some things God's wanting you to let go of. When you've been through a period of pressure, there's some things God's wanting you to deepen and grow. And in that period of pressure, there's usually some things he wants you to learn. Whatever season you're facing right now, God wants you to learn something, lose something, and grow in something. What is it you're growing in right now? What kind of area of your life? What are you learning? What is God teaching? Do you keep a, a journal and write down the things he's teaching you? What sorts of things is he speaking to you about? Write them down. Create a path where you see God was working in my life. And notice what he says. He said that that period of confinement will cause you to cry out to God. And when you seek him with all your heart, he will be found of you. And let me just finish with this. When you look at Daniel and his friends, we won't look at the verses on it. Look at, listen to this. In education, Daniel and his friends stood out and were wiser and smarter more educated than everyone. They made an impact in the educational system. Second thing, they made personal stands and God moved on their behalf. They made an impact in the religious system because even the king said, your God is the God of all the nations. Our nation will respect and honor the God you serve. They had an impact. They were recognized as actually being God, godly people. You have a look at the area of economics. In the era of economics, Daniel was promoted above everyone else because his ability to manage and run finances without corruption was better than anyone else. Made an influence in economics. Then he's put into a place, second in command of the king, he gets involved in a place of government. Now have a look at that. You've got about four out of the seven things, which are the pillars of society, that these young men got into and made an influence with their lives. And that's written for an example for us to learn. They're not just people just out on their own. They're there. They're there because God wants you to understand. He calls us to make a difference in the world that we're in. He wants your life to make a difference. I, I thought it was great. I've got a, a little paper clip, uh, an article out of one of our newspapers, and it's got, a, it's got a picture of Bryden in it, and it's got a great article of Bryden and how Bryden has had an influence in the whole orcharding area, and he, he become the top organic orchardist in our area. I think that's awesome. So he's, he's actually stood out, and he put it all down to God. Last night I heard about Steve and Paula Petrosky and their business. They got the business, Small Business of the Year Award locally. They see, this is people in the church rising up and bringing kingdom life into their workplace. Talk with Brian, he says, man, I pastor all these guys out there. I talk to them and help them. I look after them and care for them. You see, it's not just that he turns up at work. He's actually become creative, constructive. I've talked with Steve. He talked with me all the ideas that God had given him that he's put into his business to make it what it is. Now, this to me, this is the kingdom of God beginning to advance. The challenge is, will you be such a person? 
And you may feel, man, you don't understand what a tough deal I have. Listen, you are right in the place God wants you to be. That place that you think is a place of confinement, a prison, is the place you can hear God and can make a difference. You've just got to choose that my life will count. My life will count. When Jesus raised up 12 men, he gave them a mandate, not just to win people so they go to heaven, but a mandate to change nations. And that's the challenge we have, is to arise and start to be vocal and bold and creative and spirit-led with ideas in our sphere so we can make a difference. You say, man, you called to make a difference? Are you called to make a difference? Are you called to make a difference? You may think, well, man, I'm so confined. I'm at home. I'm, I've just got babies all around. I can't do anything. Listen, that's that period of confinement. God wants you to learn something. He wants you to grow in something. He wants you to let go some things. And there'll come a point where what God has built into you will come out. And people will see what you've built in your home, what you've created, what you've constructed. They say, that's what we want. We want something like that. Well, let's bow our heads right now. Father, we just thank you. You have called us to be people of influence, to make a difference in our generation. Father, I pray for young people and old people. Pray for every person here that's willing to live a life that's different, that you would anoint and empower to make a difference. Anoint and empower to make a difference. Father, I pray you raise up people into the media. I pray you raise up people into the arts, entertainment, media. I pray you raise people up into the, to, the, into the area of communications. I pray you raise people up in the sport area. I pray you raise people up, Lord, in the area of governance, in the area of money and finance and business. I pray out of this place you would raise up people that will make a difference in all of these areas. Father, release your anointing into young people today.